You may be seated. Our third word from today comes from the book of John, chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. It says, Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. We have in the person of Jesus attention. On the one hand, we have God, fully God. Jesus was, as a part of the Trinity, completely, 100% fully God. And on the other hand, we have Jesus, the man. And I think when we look at Jesus as believers, at least for me personally, it's very easy to see Jesus as God. He did miracles. He spoke prophecy. He calmed the storm. And, and it's easy to think because of that that we are seeing God with skin on. We're seeing one who was essentially playing humanity on easy mode for the most part. But yet in this story and in this word from Jesus on the cross, we see on full display the human Jesus. This was not someone who was merely passing through the world, glancing at the human condition and our experiences. This was someone who had a full human experience. And we can see that very clearly because of his words in John chapter 19. You see, Jesus was in the culmination of his work. He was literally hanging on the cross and suffering immensely. And he'd already been through so much. He'd suffered beatings. A crown of thorns had been pressed on his head. He'd been forced to carry a heavy cross. And then they nailed his arms and his feet and suspended him by his own body weight hanging from those four nails. Yet in the midst of the culmination of his work, in the, the absolute high point or low point of his human life, of his ministry life, where he was doing the very thing he set out to accomplish, he pauses for a moment because he sees his mother grieving and he sees his best friend hurting. And we see on the cross a very human Jesus in this moment, these words, they were very costly for our Savior. You see, every word, every breath on the cross was costly. Where death came by suffocation after your arms and legs were too weak to hold you up and your lungs filled with fluid. So in order to breathe, it was work. Nonetheless, to talk. And yet, he cares so much in the midst of everything else about his human mother and about his best friend that he takes a pause, he lifts himself up to comfort them. Both of them were most likely grieving very intensely, watching their friend, watching their son suffer horrifically. And the reality is for both of them in the same and different ways, Jesus was at the center of their whole world. This was Mary's oldest son and one who she knew to be the fulfillment of prophecy, the Messiah. And John, this was the one he'd given up his life to follow, his career, his family, his aspirations, everything he'd had prior to Jesus' call, John had set aside in order to follow Jesus. 
And now they're watching this happen to him. Now they are seeing him suffer and die. Jesus, even in agony, cares for the ones that he loves in in really the only way that he can without interrupting the all-important work that he was in the midst of. And so he says to Mary, this is your son. And he says to John, this is your mother. You are family now. Why does Jesus instruct Mary and John to do this? Scholars likely believe that at this point Mary was a widow, and widows, of course, were in a pretty dire condition in that day and age. But we know Jesus had brothers, living brothers at the time. Why not commend one of his brothers to care for his mother, as would have been culturally appropriate and normal? And we don't know the status of John's family, but we know, again, at least he had a brother, so he was not without any family. Well, maybe it was that Jesus' brothers had not yet started to follow him. And so in commending these two to each other, Jesus was keeping them together as followers of him. Maybe it was because they were literally right there, these two people that he loved so dearly, and it was an opportunity for him to give some measure of care in the midst of this horrible, horrible circumstance. And so he says, care for each other because you can, because you are here in this moment. And I think those things are possible and maybe even likely But I think it's also likely that Jesus was here in the midst of everything, still teaching, still giving us an instructive moment, not just for John and Mary, but for all of us. You see, in Christ, we have a new family. In Christ, our lives are reordered. And it's interesting, if you look back in Jesus' ministry, He says in Luke chapter 14 that we have to hate our father and our mother, our brother and our sister to follow him. So what do we do with these two teachings which seem to live in tension? How you have to hate your father and mother, yet here Jesus models maximum care for his mother. Well, we know that Jesus wasn't trying to throw out the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother. Something else had to have been going on. And so I see these two passages as coming hand in hand and a culmination of the new order that Jesus was establishing for how we are to be together as the community of Christ. We are a new covenant family. And so, yes, John had brothers, Mary had sons, but what they had in this moment was the family of Christ being established by the teaching of Jesus. We are, as his followers, all together, brothers and sisters, mothers and sons, grandparents and grandchildren, the family of Christ together. And he shows us that we are to care for each other, to love each other, to walk alongside each other in our grieving, in our hurting, and in our struggles. We are to serve one another as if we are serving our own blood family. In fact, even more so because Jesus makes it clear in Luke chapter 14 that this new covenant family even supersedes blood family. This is a new order, a new way of living as his follower. And that family serves one another. Have you ever been fed by someone who's living in poverty? I've actually had that very unique experience. I was in El Salvador 
I was with a partner missions organization down there, and we were helping to do uh, the grunt work on the construction of a children's home. And so the ministry leader took us around to some different homes to meet people who lived in what is essentially the jungle surrounding the children's home and coffee plantation. We met a woman, ironically named Maria, and she insisted on feeding us. She had a a cinder block house with a a barely held on tin roof, very, very few possessions. I mean, this this was true, blue, honest-to-goodness poverty. Yet she made us chicken and, and homemade tortillas on an outside fire pit, and she insisted that we eat. And I think we see in the example of Maria and we see in the example of Jesus on the cross that serving one another is not something that happens in the margins. Serving is not out of surplus. We don't care for each other out of our extra. Maria served me out of her essentials. Jesus cared for Mary and for John in his moment of ultimate suffering. When breath was costly, he still served. He modeled that self-sacrificial servanthood to all of us. And so we see in this passage the humanity of Christ and the love he had for Mary and John and also the servanthood of Christ. Obviously, the greatest act of service was ongoing. The service of humbling himself to death on a cross and separation from his heavenly father. But we see this second model of service where he does everything he can in that moment to serve and to care with ragged breath. It's so easy to see service as something we do when we have enough. We have to say, well, we've got to get ourselves in a good place, then we can start caring for others. I'm not emotionally healthy enough or any of those sorts of things. But Jesus shows us that if we have breath, then we serve the whole world, but especially our spiritual family. We all care for one another, as we would our own mother and son, brother and sister. And even more so, Christ shows us that we serve however we can. Ask yourself, really ask yourself today, who can I care for and how? Let a name come into your head, a neighbor, a friend, a church member. Whose needs can you meet whether it is a Cambodian orphan, a Ugandan in need of clean water, a neighbor down the street, or a person within your church community, who can you help? How can you serve? It's not an every once in a while thing, it is a lifestyle. And to the very end, Christ shows us how we are to live. How can you be a blessing to someone especially those within your spiritual family. Jesus, dying on the cross, in this moment, this third word, shows us two things. He shows us that he was indeed fully human. He loved his mother in the same way that we love our parents or guardians or grandparents, whoever gave us that care in our life. He loved his friend John. He was not just simply some disposable follower who chased him around for three years like a puppy dog. This was a dear and intimate friend, and it pained him to see them grieving, even as he was physically in immense pain. 
And Jesus also shows us on the cross there is no point in our life from beginning to end, from high to low, where we get a free pass on being a servant to others. Serving is not extra to the Christian life. It's not something that the really rich Christians do or the really healthy Christians do or the happy, clappy Christians. It is to be Christian, is to serve and to care for our family of faith. Let us worship the one who was fully God and fully man by imitating that kind of selfless service to one another, even starting today, even starting the moment where we are carried out of this room, serve one another and especially look for and meet the needs of our brother and sisters in Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, who has set the solitary within the family, and by your Son, Jesus Christ, has made of all believers a new family from all the nations of the earth, grant, we pray you, that as we are drawn close to the cross, so we may be drawn close to each other. May the world say again, see how they love one another. And may the world know by our love that you have indeed made your son, Jesus, to be both Lord and Savior of the world. In his name we pray. Amen.